All right, let's gather back together. We want to continue to worship this morning as we have already in so many ways, but now we're going to worship by the looking into God's Word. Last week I had mentioned how some of the sermons uh, by request, you know, pick my interests more than others. Uh, what I didn't mention is that there are also some others that cause me to stay, take a step back and say, ooh, I, I don't know about that one. Um, not because the request is really weird or something like that or, or because I am um, unwilling to address some particular subject. Uh, those of you that have been here for some time know that I've covered some weird things in the Bible. In fact, uh, years ago I did a, a whole series called Odd and Strange Stories from the Bible, covering some of those different things. And I have covered... Uh, uh, a number of controversial, sensitive subjects. So it's, it's not like uh, I'm afraid to do that. That's not the problem. Uh, the reason some requests make me take a, a step back is because when I look at them, I know immediately that this is a complex and difficult issue with no easy or cut-and-dried answers. And I like cut-and-dried things, right? Up or down, this or that right? Uh, chocolate or vanilla. I like things that are simple and, and, and clear and, and direct. I especially like it when the Bible gives that direct, indisputable instruction about an issue, which it does, obviously, for many, many topics. However, there are some subjects uh, that are not clearly or directly addressed in Scripture, right? I mean, uh, for instance, uh, how should Christians think about genetic engineering? Well, you're, you're not going to find a, a verse on that. Uh, and so uh, for those kinds of subjects, you have to do the hard work uh, of looking for principles and how they might apply. But even then, you look at that, you figure out the principles, and the application of those principles uh, might vary from one sincere Bible-believing uh, Christian to another. So... Um, it can get difficult. Well, the request for today is one that falls into that second category of no clear-cut instruction. So I have heretofore, through the summer, uh, avoided it. But right from the beginning, I knew that I wanted to do it uh, and that I probably needed to do it. Uh, the person giving the request says this, What? does the Bible say about immigration? And then they went on saying, besides honoring our leaders, how should we feel and pray about the border crisis? Well, that's a good question. Let's bow our head as we uh, pray. Father God, you are a God of incredible Love, as we've looked at already this morning in both song and prayer. The God of justice and the God of righteousness. The God of order. Thank you for giving us instruction through your word. We ask that your spirit would be with us this morning as we contemplate a difficult a complex issue. We 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I didn't pick a, a single verse as the foundation for uh, today's sermon, but we're going to start with Hebrews chapter uh, 11, verse 13. And, and at first when I read that, you might say, well, what's that have to do with immigration? But, but I think you'll see as, uh, as we go along, Hebrews eleven thirteen says this, all those, uh, let me get my glasses and maybe I can actually read it correctly. All these, I believe it says. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So uh, the first reason I chose to start with this verse is because of how these Old Testament believers uh, identified themselves, right? Uh, or were identified here. The verse begins by saying, all these died in faith. And, and it's, it's referring, if you look back in the context, to all these great heroes uh, of the faith, men and women who had gone before. But see, it applies not just to those, those elite, those heroes of the faith that got listed here. It, it actually uh, applies to every single one of them because what it says about them is true of all of them, right? They died without receiving the promises. Uh, and, and the promises that were being referred to there are, are, are that promise of a permanent heavenly kingdom. And so that means, as you're looking at it that way, that this verse also then applies to us uh, who are believers because uh, today we are still waiting for the final fulfillment of that prophecy, prop, uh, promise, right? We're all waiting for that heavenly kingdom that God is going to bring. So, so according to this verse, every true Christian then uh, is identified with how this verse identifies them. It says, strangers and exiles on the earth. And, and basically, that verse is a reminder that this world is not our home. A as believers, we are strangers and exiles on this planet. Now, physically, we might be uh, residents of the United States uh, uh, of America, but practically and spiritually, we are aliens just passing through. And so God wants us to, to view ourselves as immigrants down here and uh, you know, tells us how to live as in immigrants in this world. But the, the second reason I wanted uh, to start with this verse is because the Bible uses a variety of words to describe immigrants. Uh, very rarely, uh, depending on what translation you get, does it actually use the word immigrant. Uh, but some of the most common words are strangers, aliens, and sojourners. And uh, sometimes it's also called exiles, foreigners, refugees. Anytime you come across uh, those words, they apply to people who have left their own country to live somewhere else. In other words, immigrants. Uh, sometimes they uh, were simply left because they're seeking greener pasture somewhere. Other times they fled under duress, maybe of some calamity such as a famine or, or war. In some cases, 
It was just meant to be a temporary move, just until the trouble had passed in their home country, and then they were intended to go back. Uh, Other times, it was meant to be a permanent transfer. But whatever the situation, in almost all cases, as far as what we see biblically, what they were seeking was a better life for them and their family. And the Bible does not condemn them for doing that. So, having set that foundation, let's look at maybe some principles uh, from Scripture that can teach us concerning how we ought to think and pray about immigration and the border crisis. And and the first thing I I, I want to note uh, is uh, what I alluded to in, in in the introduction there is no specific scripture clear biblical instruction for us right you're not going to find any verse or any passage of scripture that says hey this is how you should handle the immigration issue Uh, but again that doesn't mean that there aren't some uh, good principles for us to follow and and, uh, uh, keep in mind um, the person making this request they first mentioned immigration right which would make you think about uh foreigners legally uh, applying to and wanting to enter this country. And then it mentioned the border crisis, which probably brings to mind, of course, illegal immigration. And we, we want to look at both of those, but, but I think perhaps their intent was illegal, and so we'll, we'll have some focus on that as well. But, you know, most of the discussion, when I've heard people talking about it or when I've been involved in discussions, the issue tends to... Um, focus on begin and end with the law right frequently uh, i've heard people say something along the lines well i I don't mind legal immigration as long as it's done properly but when it comes to illegal uh aliens you just round them up and ship them out and and you know what if if your focus is simply the law then yeah that makes perfect sense right but in practice and reality it's maybe not quite that cut and dried when we start looking at God's heart now in terms of of legal immigration when someone says well I don't mind it as long as it's done properly my next question would be well what exactly does that mean right Uh, because there are many many difficult uh, questions to be asked and answered even with legal immigration right uh, wh- what kind of vetting system should a person have to go through? Uh, do they need to have jobs lined up before w- they would be allowed entry? How many uh, should be allowed entry in any given year, right? Uh, who teaches them the ropes so that they don't get taken advantage of? Because you know what? There are plenty of United States citizens <laughs> who are willing to take advantage of the naive and the newcomer. Should immigrants be required to work and pay taxes for a month, a year, longer, before they're eligible to receive government aid, such as food stamps, housing allowances, these other types of things? How does this work? If I understand the statistics correctly, every year, We have more than a million legal immigrants that join our country. What would happen to our country's resources if most of those uh, people immediately sought government aid? 
right, for, again, food, housing, health care, those things. I mean, the point is, even legal immigration is a, is a complex issue w- with, with many, many questions that need to be answered. And as Christians, can we fault someone for wanting to protect their family or provide a better future for them? I mean, in in the Bible, we see immigration for those uh, two purposes uh, quite frequently. And and take, take Abraham just for one example. I mean, he first became an immigrant, of course, when God told him to leave his country and go to this land that I'll show you. So he, he immigrated there and did that. But then once he was in this land, problems hit and, and a huge famine hit. And he thought, we're going to starve to death here. So he took his wife and all those that who belonged to him, a, a big group of people, uh, you know, servants and all these with him. And, and, and uh, uh, they immigrated to Egypt. Egypt you know, with the Nile River flowing through there, uh, had a constant supply of water, and so it was like the breadbasket of the ancient world. And, and so people often flocked there when there was a trouble elsewhere. But, of course, the Egyptians, uh, they didn't want uh, their land flooded with foreigners, and, and so they set up a whole bunch of these little mini forts. Uh, they've excavated many of them around the Egyptian borders, checkpoints along their borders to keep out the undesirables. And you had to have passage through those checkpoints in order to go into the country at those times. And so it was probably um, as they were approaching one of these checkpoints that Abraham came up with the brilliant idea to have his wife Sarah claim to be his sister rather than his wife. You know, he, he thought that would keep them from killing him and would uh, give them a better chance at gaining entry into the country. So was Abraham a, a legal or illegal immigrant? Right? I mean, he was allowed into the country, but under fault, fraudulent pretenses, right? So uh, it's hard to answer, right? I- interesting enough, there's many examples of, of immigrants, uh, by the way, in, in scriptures you start reading through there. But the, the records we have from most ancient countries uh, show that there were very few laws in those countries pertaining to how you should treat an immigrant once they, they were in the land. The one exception is Israel. God uh, made provision for immigrants coming into the land. Uh, take, a, take a look at what God said in Leviticus uh, 19.33. It says, When a stranger, immigrant, resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens, immigrants, in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? At first, you know, God is saying to them, hey, you guys, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be uh, an alien in another country. So, so now when you're settled down and things are going well and it's all at ease in your land and an immigrant comes in, think about things from their perspective. 
Think about how bad it had to have been in their own land to make them uproot their family and travel to the unknown just on the hope that things might be better for them somewhere else. And you know what? It's confession time here. When it comes to the, to the crisis on our border, trying to think about things from their perspective is probably something that I haven't done a very good job of so far. But here's the second thing I think comes out of this particular scripture. God wants the citizens to regard the immigrants as human beings who need to be shown the love of God through the way we love them. So I think maybe if we're looking for our first guiding principle as we try to figure out how to think about and pray about the border crisis, it needs to be this. We need to regard each and every individual as people, as men and women made in the image of God and therefore with intrinsic worth and value and therefore must be treated with dignity. Now, again, before anybody gets up in arms and says, well, yeah, but what about the law? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, but I think we need to start with this principle because it's where God starts. And, and I think if we start with that principle uh, of the dignity and the worth and the value of every individual, perhaps it makes us think a little bit differently about how the law should be. And we can work towards uh, getting good and just laws involved. But also helps us in terms of our application. See, I think one of the questions we have to ask and answer at the very beginning is, should we not want to help these desperate people? It's pretty easy to ignore the desperation, to not know any stories, right? I don't know. I don't want to know what that family's gone through. I just, you know, they're, they're, they shouldn't be coming at our border. They've got a process they're supposed to go through and all this kind of stuff. Should we not want to help? I mean, it's very obvious as you read the Bible that God has a special heart and concern for the most vulnerable people in our world. Well, listen to what he said through the prophet Zechariah. It says, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger, immigrant, or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. So there you got this whole list uh, of vulnerable people in society and God is saying to them, hey, do not oppress them. But more than that, he's requiring us to show kindness, compassion, and justice. And the fact is, those seeking entry into our country are human beings. 
And because they're human beings, yes, that means there's going to be a mixture of motives and, and character amongst them, right? There's going to be some, undoubtedly, who are criminal. Some will be lazy. But it seems apparent that the vast majority wanting to come here would be people like you and me. Fathers and, and, and mothers uh, desperate to, to give their children a better life. People who, who want to seek the best. And all of them, no matter what category they might fall into, all of them need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, God calls us to love them, says, because he loves them. Again, speaking specifically of Im immigrants, he calls us to love immigrants because he loves them. Here's what he said in the book of Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and the mighty and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien, the immigrant, by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. And God showed his love for these immigrants by providing the basic necessities uh, of life for them, food and clothing. And as believers, we are called to be like God and do the same thing, are we not? Now, at this point, I suspect there may be some of you getting a little edgy in your seat thinking, okay, yeah, I, I get that, but what about the law? The, these guys are sneaking into the country and breaking the law. They're not just immigrants. They are illegal immigrants. Uh, I get that. That's true. So, so let's address that. But even as we do, remember that we're coming at this, first of all, from the basis of God's perspective, treating people with love, dignity, and a desire to meet needs and help. And if you just needed more emphasis or more proof on that, Psalm 146, nine, verse 9 says this, The Lord protects the strangers, immigrants. He supports the fatherless and widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. That, that's what we need to do. And, I, and I, I think it's easy to make a rule, a law, right, and then forget about the people that that law negatively impacts. And God says, no, we need to start with people. We always remember people. And we're supposed to be making laws then that way. People are made in his image. People for whom Jesus Christ died. That the Lord himself, it says, protects. So that, that's who we're talking about. So, now, does that mean, in terms of the law, we should just open our borders and let anybody and everybody flood across who wants to? No, that... That is not what God is saying. You see, God also established governments, individual, national governments. And, and, and he gave these governments certain obligations to fulfill. 
Uh, of course, being a corrupt and broken world, some governments have done a better job of fulfilling God's obligations than others. We understand that. But God still established governments. And perhaps uh, the, the most well-known passage on that comes from the book of Romans chapter 13. And, and it says in part there, these uh, one section of verses says, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister, it, the government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God and an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So, uh, among many other things, the implication uh, of those particular verses is that government has the responsibility to protect their people from evil. Now, for those of us who are already living within the country, that means maintaining law and order, right? And, and properly dealing with those who refuse to obey the laws of the land. And, and that's well, I mean, obviously one of the reasons why we must teach our children to respect authority. But another way the government fulfills that mandate to protect its citizens is to carefully scrutinize and, and evaluate those who want to come in and then be a part of that country. And, and in order to effectively do that, you have to maintain some kind of control over the borders, right? There, there must be some system in place so that that there can be a, a record of those who come in and, and, and an effective means of, of winnowing out those who would intend harm. Now, can, can you always, you know, discern rightly who might be a, a bad apple within a group of people breaking the law and causing problems? I mean, no, obvious, obviously you can't. We can't see the heart. We don't know the future. But, but the truth is, uh, the majority of those involved in e evil are are generally fairly easy to pick out with a good vetting system or they will be the kind who aren't going to go through the process illegally and there will be the ones trying to sneak in illegally. And, and that is why I believe having good security on our borders, even to the point of a wall, is not an inhumane act but a humane thing to do. It protects the citizens from the small minority element that intends harm through drugs or violence or, or whatever other means. So yes, we, we, we understand that. But at the same time, I believe it would be consistent with God's heart for us, His children, believers, to work hard at creating opportunities for those immigrants who are simply seeking a better life. And they need to be helped. Now, what does that help look like? Well, that's where things get really complex, right? And, and that there could be a variety of good answers, uh, different answers uh, that uh, Christians may, may hold to. And there, there, can, there can be um, uh, a variation on that. I mean, can help come... Uh, by establishing and working in programs uh, to, to develop things in their own countries so that they don't even have the need to have to leave 
their countries. That could be possible. Do we set up better system for more legal status immigrants to be able to come in with uh, some type of controls over how much government aid they can receive before becoming uh, fruitful, productive, tax-paying citizens themselves? I mean, I don't have the answers to these questions. There's a bunch of them. But what should be consistent among us is a love for hurting, vulnerable people and a desire to see them reached with the gospel for eternity and the practical love of Christ for the immediate needs. That's what seems to be the heart of God when it comes to immigrants. And if you're wondering how you go about that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the free church as a whole has been wrestling with this and struggling and, and they're trying to do that. They've set up a ministry that they call Immigrant Hope. And in dealing with immigrants into this country, the many that have already flooded here, which means legal and otherwise, they've set up a, a three-pronged approach under the, the headings of hope, help, and home. Hope uh, stands for sharing the gospel. All people need Christ, even criminals. I mean, that's why we have prison ministries, right? And, and if you take a, a person who is a criminal and you bring them to Jesus Christ, it changes his or her life forever, and it helps society because now instead of causing problems, they begin to be uh, productive, law-abiding citizens as they grow and, and, and uh, mature in their faith. Help. Uh, stands for practical aid and in, in this case uh, primarily in gaining legal status. People need to follow the law. They, they need to submit to earthly authority whether they like it or not. But it can be incredibly scary, confusing, and a costly process uh, to go through the immigration uh, system. And so Immigrant Hope wants to be able to help with that. Many people would do the right thing, but they're so scared. And coming alongside them can make a difference. And home means connecting these people with a church so that they can find the support they need for practical help as well as growing in their faith. I'm sure it's not a perfect system, but the truth is I'm, I'm not sure there is a perfect way to deal with all those who are already flooded into the country or for that matter with all those who still want to get in and I know in a message like this I have not come close to answering all the questions people may have about immigration because the fact is I can't but hopefully this has helped us to think about it maybe from a slightly different perspective than we had before, one that shows God's love and compassion as well as uh, a respect for his command of, of law and order. Here's the thing. It's not either or, which is what every fight seems to be about nowadays in this country, isn't it? I think it's both and. That we can have law and order 
and compassion and care for those who need. Let's pray. Father God, that's a huge subject that that demands a great deal of thought and many, many hours of discussion. But God, our, our prayer this morning would simply be help us to have your heart. Your heart in dealing with a complex issue. Your heart for justice, for order, for law. Your heart for people. Because everything you've done through Jesus Christ at the cross was done for people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.